Likuti Sichais, Chelik Tezvav, it's volume 15, the first Sicha for Chayesara. In order to better understand the Sicha, I would strongly encourage you to make a quick review of the entire Parsha to familiarize yourself with all the stories or all the episodes in this Parsha. In this Sicha will be explained the Maila, the advantage, the greatness of Am Yisrael, of the Jewish people, over the entire human race, and the special connection to Chaye Sora, to the life of Sora. Now, as we know, the name of a Parsha is very integral and very inherent with the theme of the Parsha, with the entire content of the Parsha. In other words, the name brings out the essence of the Parsha. And thus the question is then, the name of this Parsha is Chaye Sora, which means the life of Sora. True, the parsha begins with the words, Vayihiyu Chayesara, and it was the life of Sarah. However, when a very quick look at the parsha, as soon as we get a little familiar with the parsha, we realize right away that most of the parsha, if not all of the parsha, speaks about everything but the life of Sarah. In other words, if you look at the very first, uh, the very first part of the parsha, where Avraham seeks to and purchases the Mi'arata Machpela, the cave of the patriarchs. Well, obviously he was buying it to bury Sarah. So that is not about the life of Sarah, it's about the death of Sarah. The next main portion of this parsha is talks about the marriage of Yitzchak, where Avraham sends the messenger to have Yitzchak get married, to find a wife for Yitzchak. And what was the whole point of it at the end, the culmination of it, it says Yitzchak got married, and finally, he can find some comfort. He was able to console himself for the loss of his mother because now he had Rivka instead. And then, towards the very end of the Parsha, Ovidir describes how Avraham went and remarried. And in fact, we know he remarried Hagar, that woman which Sarah chased away. And he had what showed with her. And then it says how he sent them all away and he gave gifts to Yitzchak. This is all everything but the life of Sarah. So what's the explanation? So it's explained that the sign, the hallmark of a true living thing is as the Gemara, as the Talmud says in reference to Yaakov Avinu, to our patriarch Yaakov. It says, quote, Yaakov lo mes. Yaakov did not die. Why? Although it seems like he died, but it says, ma Zaro Bachayim, just like you see that his children, his offspring, which could also mean his deeds and his legacy, is alive, so too is he alive. So you see the Talmud makes the statement that what is the sign of real life, real life, not something that just, you know, is able to merely function, think, speak, eat, rather something that has an everlasting existence. That means something that's connected to Hashem, something that's connected to the ultimate and true source of life, that is something that continues to live. And you see it in the life of a tzaddik. So it would make sense that since in the life of Yitzchak, that, that is discussed in this week's Parsha, where he got married to Rivka, and Rivka, as we know, emulated, replicated all the special virtues of Sarah, so it would follow that this is the true life of Sarah, that this is what is meant when we name the Parsha 
Chaye Sora, the life of Sora. Because this proves also retroactively that her entire 127 years of life in this earth was a meaningful life and had a true existence. This is true. However, it requires a little more understanding. Because the fact is that if you look at the Parsha, there are several stories in this week's Parsha which don't seem to have a direct connection or an obvious connection to make this point. In other words, the purchasing of the Ma'arata Machpela, of the Cave of the Patriarchs, that is actually to bring, so to speak, an end, a closure to the life of Sarah in some way, at least the physical life. Furthermore, all the details described in the Parsha of how Eliezer traveled and he went and he came and all the miracles and everything that took place and everything he said, how does that exemplify? How does that bring out the idea of Chayesor? And so on and so forth. So in order to understand this, we'll first take a quick look at some things that are mentioned in this Parsha. And when we get a deeper and better explanation, a clarity on that, it will help us understand this too. We'll connect the dots. You see, right in the beginning of the Parsha, when Avraham approaches the people of Ches, and he says, look, I want to buy your, a piece of land. I want to buy a plot of land. What does he say to them? He says, Ger v'toshaf anochi imachem. Ger means a foreigner, like an alien. Toshav means a resident, means somebody who sojourns here, somebody who belongs here. I am with you. End of quote. What does that mean? So the sages tell us that he said to them, look, if you agree, if you will, I'm a foreigner. I'll buy it from you. I'm a stranger. But if not, then I'll take it. Minhadin. Minhadin means by, by the rightful, justified means. So the question is, let's understand. If Avraham was able to take it by means of justice, meaning by means of the power of the law, which means, by the way, that Avram was promised this land and therefore he can take it, then why then would he insist, would he be so stubborn about buying it? And on the other hand, how, in the first place, can he argue that he can take it by law, that he can take it by force? The fact is Hashem had never, quote, given it to him. It was promised to him. It was not yet his. So what is this all about? So that's one major issue in this Parsha. Another one, which is actually at the end of the Parsha, over there, it describes the passing of Avraham, the end of Avraham's life. And it says there, quote, and they buried him, Yitzchak and Yishmael, his son. So it says Yitzchak before Yishmael. So the sages tell us that this is a sign that Yitzchak, I mean that Yishmael did tshuva. Yishmael repented and he improved his ways and therefore you see that he allowed Yitzchak to go ahead of him. He gave him the proper honor, realizing that Yitzchak is the main son. Yitzchak is the true heir of Avram. But this begs for some understanding. The question is, why, if this happened, and we know Yishmael actually, in fact, did do tshuva. But many years prior to this, this is just a sign, this is just an indicator of an episode that proves that he did Shuva, but he did Shuva many years before this. Why then did the Torah wait until the passing of Avraham to tell us about it? Why did the Torah wait till now to share it with us? In fact, it would have made sense for the Torah to say it to us earlier in order to enhance the idea 
we know that Hashem promised Avram that he's going to live to a good old age. In other words, he's going to have a good life. What kind of good life is this if his son only did shuva after he passed? He did shuva while he passed. He, while he was alive. Avram merited to see his son better his ways. So why didn't the Torah share with us? The answer to all of this lies in us understanding, appreciating the inherent difference between Avraham and Sarah. We know that Avraham and Sarah are the father and the mother of the Jewish people. But what is the inherent difference? There's still a difference between the two. They're two separate individuals and each one represents another aspect of things. So we know that Avram, although he's the father of the Jewish people, but he is also the father of other nations. He was also the father of Yishmael. And in fact, before ever becoming the father of Yitzchak, he was already the father of Yishmael. On the other hand, Sarah is exclusively the mother of Yitzchak, the mother of the Jewish people. Another difference between the two, we find that Avraham spent his life and dedicated all his energy to teaching not only Yitzchak, not only the future Jewish people, the Jewish nation, but everybody. Even he preached, he spoke to, he taught, he tried to, 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 um, to bring close even the Arvim, the Arabs, as we saw in last week's parasha, where he invited them in as a guest, assuming that they were Arabs, just plain simple Arabs. However, Sarah, her entire energy was focused. Her entire energy was dedicated to Yitzchak, to everything going to the proper source, to the proper place, everything being drawn to a place of Kedusha, of holiness. To the extent that when she just noticed the struggle between her son, Yitzchak, and Yishmael, where they're struggling over the inheritance, meaning over the rightful ownership, the rightful connection, or the exclusive connection to Judaism, to godliness. What did she do? say to Avraham? Chase him away. Kick him out. He has to go. And this is the essence. This brings out the idea of what Chaye Sarah is, the life of Sarah. The life of Sarah is about Yitzchak. The life of Sarah is about the greatness, the advantageousness of Am Yisrael, of the Jewish people, the direct descendants of Yitzchak. And this gets expressed in the three major episodes, the three major stories in this week's Parsha. And will give us a better understanding why it's called Chaye Sora, the life of Sora, because this epitomizes the life of Sora. This brings out the idea, the whole essence of the life of Sora. You see, the cave of the patriarchs. Who was buried there? Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve. And really, one would think Adam and Eve are really the father and mother of the entire human race, regardless of group, ethnic group, religion, or whatever you, whatever have you. So one would think, and it would seem right to think so, that Adam and Chava connect to everyone. This week's Parsha shows us how Avram, understanding the essence of Sarah and what it's all about, insisted on proclaiming, on determining and exhibiting that this place is exclusively for the Jewish people. And in fact, by him purchasing it, what happens? 
it becomes the exclusive burial place only for the patriarchs and the matriarchs. Bringing out the point, this expresses the fact that this, the, the real ultimate essence of Adam and Chava, the ultimate uh, contribution, so to speak, of Adam and Eve, is not the fact that they're generally, collectively, the father or mother of the entire human race, but rather that they connect specifically to Am Yisrael. And then it goes up to the next level. The story, the lengthy story of Eliezer, the servant of Avraham, the most dedicated servant of Avraham, the most dedicated disciple to the, to the extent that in last week's Parsha, he calls him Damesek Eliezer. And the sages tell us Damesek Eliezer is like an acronym of the words which make up the expression that he would draw, meaning he was the one who absorbed and, so to speak, drank the teachings of his master, of Avraham, and later he was the one who taught it to others, meaning he was able to draw and serve others with it. That means he was the exclusive disciple, the ultimate uh, transmitter of Avram's teaching, and to the extent that Avram trusted him with finding a bride for his son. And yet, we find in the course of the story where it's hinted to the fact that Eliezer very much desired that Avraham should have Yitzhak marry Eliezer's daughter. He wanted to become part of Avram's family. And what does Avram tell him? I'm sorry, I can't because my son is, quote, Baruch, blessed, and you are, quote, cursed because he was from the descendants of Canaan. Of course, it doesn't mean that Avram was putting him down, that Avram was in any way trying to hurt his feelings or to discount his greatness. Rather, Avram is telling him, compared to Yitzchak, you are cursed. You're great in your own right, but compared to him, in the contrast, I'm sorry, there's no comparison. So you see once again how it's expressed the idea of the life of Sarah in the story, in the lengthy details of the story of the marriage of, of Yitzchak and how Eliezer sought out to find a wife elsewhere, not from his own family. And then it takes it up even a, a, a notch higher. It goes even more in expressing this idea that Yitzchak is great. You see, so far we covered the greatness of Am Yisrael and the exclusivity of them being the ultimate purpose of everything in space and in general in the human race. Now it takes it to the next step. The children, even in the descendants of, 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 of Avraham, even amongst the children of Avraham, remember Avraham had Yishmael and several of the other children of the children of Keturah, as described at the end of the parsha, and he had Yitzchak. Here, once again, we see at the end of the life of Avraham, it makes the statement emphatically that Yitzchak goes ahead, that Yitzchak goes ahead not only on his own volition, but Yishmael recognizes, Yishmael puts him ahead. And this is very important. Now we'll understand why the Torah waited until the end of Avram's life to tell us this. You see, because remember when, Ye when Sarah wanted Yishmael chased away, kicked out of the house, it was because she said, quote, Ki lo yirash ben in Yitzhak, that this, this son, meaning, the son of the maid 
who is secondary to my son, who is secondary to Am Yisrael, will not be the heir together with my son because they were arguing over the inheritance. They were arguing over the fact of who is the true and exclusive heir of Avram. Yitzchak argued that it's him, and Yitzchak said, of course, that it's it's he who Hashem had promised to Avraham to be the continuance of Avraham, the heir, the true heir. And what did Sarah do? She put her foot down and she said, no, it's, it's Yitzchak, it's not Yishmael. And over here we see at the end, when it comes to the time when Avraham passes away, and here is the moment of truth, here is the moment when the inheritance kicks in, here even Yishmael agrees, Yishmael admits, and he exhibits it by his actions of putting Yitzchak ahead of him. So this will bring us now to a deeper understanding. And we'll really appreciate the whole thing. You see, the entire creation of the world, heaven, earth, the entire human race, what's the purpose? Is it really a purpose in itself? The answer is no. We know that it says, right in the beginning, it says, Bereishis. Why does it say Bereishit? The sages tell us, Bet Reishit. For two main things, the world was created. For the Torah and the Jewish people. Meaning, the entire world and all its inhabitants, even and especially the human race, are all here as a means to serve the people who are supposed to observe the Torah, to serve the Jewish people. What does it mean to serve the Jewish people? To make the world an inhabited place, a place in which a Jew can live and function and thus do his or her duty in serving Hashem through the fulfillment of Torah and mitzvahs. And this explains us something very, very fundamental. And it makes sense of what would seem like a very, very peculiar din, a very peculiar law. You see, there are seven Noahite laws. For example, not to kill, not to steal. Some of them are obviously more severe. Some of them are more, you know, of the moral ethic uh, 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 grounding. But the rule is that regardless of which one of the seven Noahite laws, a Noahite, meaning a non-Jew, had transgressed, really, they have to be put to death. Meaning, even for petty theft, <clears throat> they don't deserve to continue living. And the question is, why? It doesn't make sense. You know, if you kill someone, you, you bow down to idols, but just for petty theft? And the answer is yes. Because they are not a purpose in themselves. They are here as a means. The moment they don't serve that purpose, the moment they cease, they deviate from their purpose, which is to serve as a, as a harmonious tool, a harmonious asset of keeping the world an inhabited place and making it functionable so a Jew can live and prosper and therefore do the Torah and, and perform the mitzvot, then they have no reason to live. They have no reason to continue living. And this we see expressed in all of these three episodes we mentioned before. When Avraham came to the children of Ches, what did he tell them? He said, look, I know that right now, the land of Israel is in your possession. And in fact, it's not by accident. It's not by mistake. The sages tell us that the reason why, quote, Hashem gave it to them first and then took it from them and gave it to us, seems a little harsh, a little cruel. Why did he do it? Because they were here literally as guardians. Hashem did not want the land to be desolate and then be overrun by animals and become a difficult and unbearable place to live. 
And therefore, he had all the nations that lived there cultivate the land, make it, bring it up to the point of being such a great and absolute desirable place to live. As we know, when the, when, the, when the spies went, they came back and said, wow, what amazing place. And thus, when the Jews enter, and now Hashem decides it's the time for them to finally receive it, it'll be a beautiful place, an inhabited place. And that's what Avram said to them. Look, I know it's yours right now. So right now, I can't argue with that. And therefore, all I ask you is to help me do what I have to do right now. Because ultimately, you're here to help me do what I have to do. So please sell it to me. And then I'll have a place that now will belong to me within the territory that Hashem had so for, for this time loaned to you, given in your guardianship, just sell it to me. And I'll have the place to bury Sarah. And it will be mine. But if you won't, that means you now will deviate from your purpose. You will not serve to help the Avraham do what he has to do as a yid then I'll have no choice and you no longer will be rightfully existing and therefore you no longer will rightfully own the land and therefore I can take it by din, I can take it by force. So that's the first story that shows us again this idea that Sarah most exemplifies even more than Avraham that the ultimate purpose of all, the main thing is Am Yisrael, the Jewish people, the descendants of Yitzchak. Sarah lived only for Yitzchak. The next episode, all the details in the story of and 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 the, re, the repetition of the story of Eliezer traveling and coming and all the miracles. Again, you see how everything that happens in the world, every detail of every episode of everything, whether we see it or not, whether we understand it or not, is really therefore to do what to bring about the marriage of Yitzchak of Rivka, to bring about the possibility and the purpose of the descendants of Yitzchak, which is Am Yisrael, who are going to do the Torah. In fact, to the extent that one of the things that are related in the story, that we find very clearly in the story, is that when Besuel, the father of Rivka, tried somehow to hold back this whole thing, he tried to stop it, he tried to interfere with this marriage going forward, immediately he died. He ceased to exist, because he was now an interference with the purpose. And then it goes to the third thing. The sages tell us, and it describes in the parsha at the end of Yishmael's life, it says, Al pnei kol echav nafal, which literally, regardless of what it means in the context, but literally means, on the face of all his brothers, he fell. What does it mean he fell? So the sages tell us that what it's telling us is that, quote, until Avraham died, he dwelled, because before it says Ishmael dwelled here, he dwelled there, he dwelled there, and at the end of the life it says, he fell. What does this mean? What is it hinting to? That so long that Avraham lived, he dwelled. When Avraham died, he fell. What does it mean in our context, says the Rebbe? That so long that Yishmael is connected, that means he's living with Avraham, he dwelled, he was alive, he was vibrant. He existed. The moment Avraham, quote, died, meaning his connection to Avraham was severed, he died, meaning he fell. What does that mean? You see, the mere fact that Ishmael did tshuva is not his own doing. He doesn't deserve all the credit for it. Because really what it was is as a result of the prayers and the well wishes of Avraham. 
If you recall, even prior to Yitzchak's birth, Avraham said, Lu He prayed to Hashem, May Yishmael live before you. And that is the prayer, that is the power that he had in order to do tshuva. So, so long he's connected to it, and he recognizes that he is the son of the maidservant. He is subservient, and he is dependent on Avraham and Yitzchak. Then he quote he lives he dwells, but the moment that he stops that and he, that Avraham dies, meaning in his mind he's no longer connected to Avraham, and he doesn't recognize that his only connection is coming through the being the son of the maidservant, being secondary, subservient to Yitzchak. Then quote he dies, and this gives us a good, beautiful glimpse of how everything here in the parsha all comes together as being quote the life of Sarah, that everything is before Yitzchak for the Jewish people who come from Yitzchak, and that the existence of everything else in the world, everything that happens, and all the nations of the world, all the human race, is all for this purpose, to help to serve the Yid, that the Yid should be able to perform the Torah and mitzvot in a harmonious and um, practical manner.